0: Titus chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, these are God's words. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded, in all things showing yourself to be a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of us. So for the reading of God's inspired and inerrant word. So he saves the young men for, well, for almost last. He's going to address uh, those who are in, in particularly the place uh, of bondservants uh, in verse 9 and 10, uh, a place that we'll hear by God's help, uh, Lord willing, next week. Um, when you are in a place of low position, when you are in a place that is uh, ordinarily one of suffering, you have a unique uh, opportunity to show the difference that grace makes in your life. But uh, for now, in verses 6-8, through dealing in these uh, age group categories, as he has been uh, since verse 2, he deals with the young men last, and he gives them just one thing uh, to pursue. He gives Titus just one thing to exhort the young men unto and that is sober mindedness uh, that they be uh, sensible that they be reasonable that uh, that they live with a sound mind uh, that they be serious that they be noble uh, this is something that we are not surprised to see him say for the young men because we saw back in chapter 1 verse 8 that a an elder who's also called a bishop is to be sober-minded uh, in chapter 1, verse 8. And we saw earlier that the elderly, the older man, in verse 2, the word that is uh, translated temperate is the same, sober-minded. The difference here in chapter 2 and verse 6 is this uh, language, be sober-minded, is actually translating uh, not a noun that was used adjectivally in 1, verse 8 and 2, uh, verse 2, but here it is a verb. Uh, and that's because we don't just, uh being sober-minded of character, being sober-minded of nature, uh is not something that automatically happens in someone. And it's not something that you can just decide to have, like putting on a shirt. Uh you got your sober-mindedness shirt, and you put it on, and well, now I'm sober-minded. No, it actually takes diligent pursuit to live seriously to be intentional about life in a way that takes into genuine account that God made this world and that we are before his face and that we were sinners who deserved his wrath. And he showed us grace by becoming a man in order to save us. He united us to himself and gave us a purpose so that whatever else our secondary callings are, our primary calling is to live in union with Christ, showing forth his grace Offering God our life as worship and service. And so we've got this highly dignified way to live. But the flesh does not live that way. The flesh lives for silly things. The flesh lives to please itself, not to serve the Lord. The flesh is very irrational and self-destructive. Youth, especially young men, uh, are is a season in which uh, they have energy uh, and they have uh, ordinarily, or they ought to have initiative, which can be twisted in the wrong direction, uh, and this gives them something to pursue uh, that they would that they would live for something higher and better than the flesh lives for, and that the world lives for. A young man should be someone who uh, is uh, taking initiative and working hard, is eager and diligent and vigorous. Yes, it's. Uh, it's one thing to watch out for that he do that in pursuit of his own reputation or his own wealth, uh, or to make a name for himself, exert his will upon other, uh, upon other things, not as someone submitting to and demonstrating the will of God, but putting himself in a central place, uh, wanting to, uh, to make himself his own man, uh, so to speak. There are all those ways, but, uh, passivity. Uh, and not living for anything, just self-indulgence, wanting to be comfortable, wanting to enjoy oneself, is uh, is also a corruption of that. But here, the apostle tells uh, Titus, exhort these young men to pursue sober-mindedness, to uh, to engage in sober-mindedness as the pursuit of their life, uh, in addition and through whatever else their their uh, other pursuits are. And so, young men uh, pursuing uh, pursuing sober-mindedness uh, before it can be an adjective of an elder in chapter one, verse eight, or an elderly believer, elderly man in chapter two, verse two, it needs to be a verb in the life of a young man who, by the following the exhortation of his minister and his elders and his father, day by day decides to pursue sober-mindedness because it has not been ingrained yet by the mortification of his flesh and by the vivification of the life of Christ in him. I am going to live today with seriousness of purpose as someone who is united to Christ. You make that decision every day and multiple times every day until as God blesses it to you and sustains you in that by his grace, it becomes a characteristic a personal characteristic not just a personal pursuit uh young men are to pursue sober mindedness and of this the minister the elder uh in this case Titus in particular is to be an example and we have that in verse 7 uh and particularly uh, in his speech he is not only uh to speak to them these things but the speech itself uh should model these things Uh, So in verse seven, in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works. And so one way, the first way that he's a pattern of good works is by himself being sober minded. Timothy, we know quite explicitly from the scripture, was a younger man. And Titus seems also to have been one, uh, since it's in the context of the young men specifically that he finishes the thought by saying, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works. We can conclude that God does. Uh, call men in the season of youth, in the season of energy and activity and strength, passion, to the uh, to the calling of being a minister of the word, to the calling of being uh, a preacher of the gospel, a shepherd teacher. Uh, and yet, uh, precisely because he often calls them, it is all the more incumbent upon those young men whom he calls to be preachers, that they be an example of this good work, sober-mindedness, which we will see in uh, the rest of verse 7. But not just of this good work, of all good works, in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works. Uh, A man who is called to this ministry and does not preach and does not model uh, the godliness uh, that the Scripture uh, commands, Uh, he is a... Uh, shame to himself, but not just a shame to himself, as we'll see in verse 8, a shame to the ministry in general and other faithful ministers, even though they themselves were faithful. But here in verse 7, the elder's example, in all things showing yourself to be a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing integrity, uh, or perhaps uh, more literally translated soundness, there's something about a young man who wants to make his own way, establish himself, come into his own, uh, as we say. Uh, But this is not something that should be done with doctrine. Uh, Remember back in chapter 1 and verse 9 where he said, Holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine. Uh, Now that phrase, sound doctrine, uh, is the positive uh, corollary, positive partner of This word integrity, which actually means not unsound, or not corrupted, or not changed, or not altered. The warning is important for young ministers that they not try to be innovative, or creative, or find a new way to say this thing that no one has ever said it. Uh, That is the road, of course, to doctrinal error, to unsoundness. They are, uh, as it were, giving their theology mutations. Uh, you don't want theology with mutations. You want to hold fast to the faithful word as you have been taught, so that your teaching others may be sound, or as it is uncorrupted, or to use the the word that we have in our English version here, in doctrine, integrity. Uh, so we should teach people, uh, as it were, to be confessional, uh, by which we mean Biblical in the same way that the faithful that have gone before them were also biblical in their theology. You remember when he was talking to or writing to Timothy, Paul reminded Timothy that Timothy had received a pattern of sound words. It's the same idea here. Young men uh, often, and some of you have experienced this, sitting at a table with younger men theologizing, Uh, Young men often are trying to make their own way. The minister, the preacher, especially when he uh, is fairly young himself, uh, ought to be an example to them of sticking to the old paths, sticking to the faithful word as he has been taught. So doctrinal integrity. uh, That's really the first way to serious living. (coughs) If your doctrine itself isn't stable, uh, how are you going to live steadily and purposefully in light of your doctrine. Every time your doctrine changes, the way you live is going to change. Uh, But if you have a solid foundation and a solid guide, theologically, that is shaping how you live, then you are able, on that foundation, to mature steadily, and you're not shaken and tossed uh, to and fro. Uh, This was, of course, a major part of, or central to the minister's calling also, in Ephesians four, when they are given to the church, for the sake of stabilizing the doctrine of the church, so that people may speak the truth and love, so that each uh, member of the body may supply something and do uh, supply strength to that joint and uh, and do its share. Uh, so, doctrinal integrity is the first first thing that he is to be an example of. Reverence is the second thing uh, that he is to be an example of. Uh, this is the right and proper use of the word reverend, that uh, the man who is a preacher of the word of God should be dignified in everything that he does. He is the, uh, the herald, the official ambassadorial arm of a great king of a great kingdom. Uh, he should not be silly or light uh, in how he lives or how he speaks. Any silliness or lightness on his part Uh, will take away from the majesty of the one whom he represents. He is an ambassador not only of a great king, he is the ambassador of God, as it were, pleading in behalf uh, of Christ that uh, people would be reconciled to God. Uh, And so this is uh, an appropriate seriousness and weightiness, like he was talking to the young men about themselves generally, but now specifically applied to the duty of speaking on behalf of the Lord, of shepherding uh, on behalf uh, of the Lord. Uh, it is not appropriate uh, for a minister to be the Hawaiian shirt flip-flop guy uh, who is who is just uh, always light in what he says. This does not mean that he should always be sad. You know, on the contrary... Uh, He has great news and he should be a man of joy, but it should be a joy that has weight. It should be a joy that has substance. It should be calling, uh, uh, it should uh, contribute uh, to and be appropriate to his calling people away from their creation pleasures, like we saw in the world city in Isaiah 24 and in Tyre in Isaiah 23 and calling them to creator pleasures. So that as they enjoy the creation, it is the creator himself that they are enjoying. And there is a depth of delight, uh, even in their enjoyments, uh, that is not available to the unbeliever. And so reverend, noble, dignified. And then the incorruptibility uh, at the end of verse 7 is very similar uh, to the integrity uh, that we saw in the middle. But here having more to do with his behavior than his teaching, that his behavior would match his teaching, uh, that he would not, uh, just as you don't want a, a minister or any believer, but especially a preacher, that departs from the faith as he has been taught, his morality must not depart from the godly living, the obeying the law of liberty, obeying the royal law, the law as given in the hand of Christ, Who has already counted our righteousness, uh, counted as our righteousness, and who is making us to be righteous like he is. Uh, How can we preach that that's what Jesus is for us, and that that's what Jesus is doing to us, if we're always making these moral departures of our own? And so the man himself should be incorruptible, blameless, as it were. Uh, Not sinless, but quick in repentance, and maintaining uh, by grace that walk with the Lord, not backsliding lest he should fall into scandalous sin. And so there is the elders' example. And all young men uh, should be imitating this. Uh, the Lord has not yet called them to a place uh, in in which, for the sake of the church, for the sake of the ministry, for the sake of generations, uh, it is as crucial for them. But it's going to be crucial for them, for their household, and for the generations that come from their families. And it is crucial for the church, uh, although they be not the preacher. Yet, even as we heard when we were referring to Ephesians chapter 4, every joint, every member supplies something. Your spiritual life is never yours by yourself. You weaken the whole body uh, if you are weak. Uh, And so where are they to see that sort of mindset? They are to see it in their elders. They are to see it, children should see it in their father. whole congregation should especially see it in the one who is preaching to them the word that is in his mouth publicly over and over again before uh before men before God in the public worship must be respected by the way that uh the way that he lives uh, so not just the elder's example then but the elder's speech sound speech that cannot be condemned he's implying here something that is a reality in the life of a faithful preacher, there will be accusations and there will be opponents. And so he should speak in a way that when the accusation comes, upon consideration, the accusation falls to the ground and his speech is vindicated. It cannot be condemned. And he should live and speak in such a way that when someone tries to uh, oppose him, the opponents, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, so the opponent does not have opportunity you, you make it you speak in such a way and you live in such a way by god's grace sustaining sustaining you that when someone opposes you it ends up being to their shame not yours and this not only uh, for the sake of the word on your mouth uh, and for the sake of the ministry that you conduct but because there are other people if you are uh, if you are holding to doctrinal soundness and you are saying the same things as other men, there are going to be other men who are preaching the same doctrine. And if one minister who preaches that doctrine falls, it scandalizes the rest of them. Uh, there's a textual discrepancy here. This is one of those places where uh, Erasmus' Greek Testament agrees with the Western text rather than uh, the text preserved, uh, pure and entire, uh, like we confess in Westminster chapter 1, and it actually says at the end, not having um, nothing evil to say of you, but rather having nothing evil to say of us. Uh, he is reminding Titus that he himself, the Apostle Paul, and others who preach the same doctrine, that if Titus uh, has a theological lapse, or especially if Titus has a moral lapse, uh, if he speaks in a wrong way, and live or lives in a way that is inconsistent with his speech, uh, that that will bring uh, shame that will give opportunity for the opponents to speak evilly of all faithful ministers and of the gospel itself and of the bible uh, itself, and so there is much uh, there is much at stake, um, and not just for ministers, every one of us, even who have been baptized, even if you have not been converted. And you have the name Father, Son, and Holy Spirit put upon you, and you have church membership identified with you so that Christ and His gospel are associated with you. There is the need for you to be converted because now the honor of the, of God, the, the, the honor of the gospel, the honor of the church and Christ in the church is invested in part in you. And so let us seek from God grace, grace to believe rightly, grace to live rightly. Uh, and to see how much is invested in my life, that I not feel like I can do whatever I want with myself, or that what I do is not important, but that I would live with seriousness and dignity and purpose unto God, that we should all be sober-minded. Amen, let pray. Our gracious God and our Heavenly Father, we thank you that these are the things that you produce by your Spirit, that you have appointed the ministry of your word to to bear in our lives through Christ, through union with Him, through faith, and being conformed more and more to His image. And we pray that your Spirit would continue doing that word, that work. O oh Lord, give us. Uh, we pray to be serious and sober-minded and dignified uh, as we live a life of purpose and joy and service unto you in all of the things that you give us to do day by day. Please help us, Lord, you know how easily we slouch uh, to the flesh. Uh, Grant, O God, that by your Spirit we would put to death the deeds of the body and live, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.